It's That's Lit with me, Shazzy D, here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, writer, director, producer, and cinematographer, Mark Radomski. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. So, Mark, you are involved in the Sydney South African Film Festival that is coming up this month. Can you explain what it will involve? Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I came into this a little bit by accident with um, some people that I kind of knew but know them a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Called me and said they, um, so this is Clay Ankelson and, and Die Singer, they said that there was, there's a festival that was set up in Canada in Vancouver and Toronto run by a couple of ex South Africans and the festival was aligned to a um, charity that they'd set up called Education Without Borders. Mm-hmm. And that it was a, a kind of initiative to provide tutoring and meals to areas um, where there were a lot of the kids are disenfranchised and to try and augment the, the education system. So that's the ethos of the, of the charity. And what they did is they linked it with this idea of showcasing South African films and raising money for the charity. And so Claire and I decided that they would like to set up a kind of Sydney South African film festival, which would then get a school. This Our school would be in Belleville South, in, in just outside Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have a school dedicated to our festival and everything, all the, the funds and money raised in the festival would... Um, about, yeah, okay, finding we have eight films over eight nights and then sort of choosing those films and also then trying to make a, a special kind of immersive experience. So it's not just about the screening of the film, but there's discussions and Q&As and guest speakers and a kind of celebration of South Africa um, and South African culture and music and food along with the screening of these um, quite special films. Excellent. And so, have you had a chance to get a sneak peek at them, at the films? Oh, yeah, I was on the selection committee to choose them, so (laughs) I watched a lot more than eight films, Mm -hmm. um, and I've had a sneak peek of all of them. Nice. (laughs) And so what, in light of you, you know, having seen them, what can audiences expect? We've tried to um, provide a range of different kind of film experiences, different genres of films um, to give a sense of, you know, it's kind of like you do a festival like this and it's it's like a, a snapshot into, I guess, what's happening in South Africa now. So we've, we've, we've tried to choose films that are current and that are, that are relevant and that, that do give a sense of all of it, you know, and as we all know, there's a lot of trauma, there's a lot of trouble, there's a lot of strife and stuff going on, but there's also a lot of energy and a lot of creativity and a lot of positivity as well in the context of that. And so we, we wanted to, to, not to hide away from the hard stuff, but also not only to have the hard stuff, to also find stuff that was joyous and inspirational and that shows how... Um, I guess filmmakers are reflecting the society and it's a society that refuses to be beaten by by all the the inherent problems that it has. 
So we have a film called Whispering Truth to Power, which is about Tuli Madonsela, who was the public protector that took on Jacob Zuma, who was the president involved in all these big corruption scandals. And that's that's a a documentary. We have a a great film made by a friend of mine called Robbie Thorpe. Um, We used to work together back when I was in South Africa. And um, this is a film called Beyond the River, which tracks um, the Doozy Canoe Marathon, which is a very famous canoe marathon, a really tough marathon in South Africa. And it's about the story. It's based on a true story about two men, a black man and a white man from opposite sides of of every aspect coming together to partner up for the Doozy Marathon and it's a drama, a feature film based on that. Um, there are a couple of quite edgy films set in Cape Town, which is where our charity is, um, particularly the Ellen Pucky story. I don't know if anyone knows or went to the David Goldblatt exhibition at, at um, the Museum of Contemporary Art. Oh, so it was here. What, what, what happened? Well, in, so David Goldberg, Goldberg's exhibition, he was a very famous kind of photographer who died recently and kind of documented the whole history of apartheid and the Group mm. Areas Act and all of that sort of stuff um, as a photographer, as a white photographer. Um, but one of the things he did in the later part of his, of his career was he actually did a series of photographs with people who had committed crimes and been in jail um, and he took them back to the, the place where they committed the crime and took a photograph and one of these people um, is a woman called Ellen Puckies, an amazing woman who lived in the Cape Flats in, in a big housing commission and her son unfortunately got really hooked on ice and he became you know because you know that's what ice does it changes your brain mm. and your neurology and he became a complete monster to the point where she felt her life was at risk and she actually murdered him Whoa. And, and so this is this that's a true story mm. and this film is is the dramatization of that it's a really really powerful but really really confronting film mm-hmm. um and then there's a couple of lighter films there's a beautiful film called Liana, mm-hmm. which is um shot in Swaziland and it's it's set in a um, in an orphanage for HIV orphans and they're encouraged to create the story and the story is then animated so the film is a documentary of these kids creating the story but it seamlessly weaves into the animation of the story that they're creating and it's quite amazing because as they start bringing in their own experiences into this fictional character that they are creating, it becomes quite compelling and incredible. Um, and so, yeah, just a range of films that, that, that cross different genres and, and, and look at different aspects of South African life. Fantastic. And so you are originally from South Africa. How? Uh, how could you tell? <laughs> How would you describe South Africa's film scene, I guess, compared to now you live here in Australia, probably seen the film scene here. How would you kind of compare it to? Look, it's very hard to... to, to I mean, I've, I've lived in Australia for, for sort of 18 years and I've, I've been back to South Africa a few times. I've made, I think, two films in South Africa since I actually left. Um, and that's a whole other story about why we left. But um, 
it's they're very different industries, you know. Um, and I, in a lot of ways, I do miss a lot of the creative energy in South Africa. I mean, when apartheid came down and I'd started making films, there was an incredible. That's when I started. Mm. Um, there was an incredible energy in the country to use the mediums of television and film in order to to break down all the preconceptions and 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 to try and build bridges because of all the division. And there was that was a phenomenal time to work as a filmmaker in South Africa um, because there was energy and resources and a, a whole understanding that what we did was important and what we did was actually a, a bridge building kind of exercise. And we made made a lot of films to do that. I worked in children's drama and I worked in I did the first season of Sesame Street, Takalani Sesame. Oh, Africa, great. I directed that um, and did a whole lot of documentaries, you know, um, just around all of that, looking looking to use television as a way to empower and educate and break break down those barriers. Mm. Um, and, and that's a very different situation from, from here where, you know, there's a lot of energy into reality television and mm. formats and, and, and all of that kind of stuff and it's, it's it's a lot different and a lot harder and then in the feature film world it's very hard to make an Australian film as a feature film and get it up but in South Africa it's that same energy a lot less money a lot more edgy in terms of the resources but a lot more balls let's say to tell kind of confronting stories mm. and real stories that you know um don't necessarily have to only have a mainstream audience in mind. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I, I miss that. I do. One of the uh, films or documentaries, I should say, that you were involved in was the one on Nelson Mandela. What was it like um, doing that one? Yeah, that was... uh, Look, (laughs) that was incredible. I mean... It, I, had, I was part of a company called Free Filmmakers in South Africa that had been set up, you know, during the time of apartheid because we couldn't work for the local, for the SABC, the local television station. So we managed to to get some money from Sweden in order to set up a company that would then tell the kind of stories you couldn't tell in mm-hmm. South Africa, but also empower young black filmmakers and then and, and build a we built a collaborative of, of filmmakers that, you know, were telling the kind of stories for Channel Four and for international channels because you couldn't get those stories on the SABC under part eight. Mm. In ninety four when that all came down, suddenly we could then start working in our own country for our own television network and the Mandela film was was one of those. It was a big production obviously. Mm. Um, with you know, it had Demi, who's a Hollywood producer, um, was, a, was an executive producer, Chris Blackwell, who made the Bob Marley film and formed and had Island Records, which was Bob Marley's record label. You know, he was an executive producer and the co-director of that film um, was a South African living in America who had made the Bob Marley film. And so we put this whole thing together um, and that was, it was just a phenomenal time we were with. You know, it was fighting for the election, so the film was made on the road with Mandela leading up to the first election where he was elected as president of the country and then obviously looking back at the history and, and all the stuff with Winnie Mandela and, 
graveyard in in his village in the Transkei looking for his parents' grave. Um, it, it, it was just uh, it was a fantastic experience, obviously. Yeah, I could imagine. And, you know, just the mark that he has still left, you know, to this day, Nelson Mandela continues to leave. It's really incredible. Oh, yeah. There isn't a single leader on the planet that comes even close to him Mm. right now. And you also have worked on Struggle Street, the uh, documentary on SBS. And yes, I did the fir- I did the first season of Strong Street, the, the one in Mandra that caused all the trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but so also I was doing my job. that highlighted, you know, some issues that you know was probably really good to see you. When I saw it, I thought, you know, it's probably something people needed to be more aware of and more, you know, resources out there to help. I thought. Well, absolutely, and I mean, kind of that's the reason I make the documentaries um, is to be able to because you can. Same consciousness we had in South Africa of, you know, breaking down the myths, opening up the window, bashing the preconceptions, um, and, and 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 just showing, you know, the, the common humanity. And, and and Struggle Street achieved that. There was a whole lot of crap around it when people had never even seen, it, but they just jumped on a kind of bandwagon. God knows why. But um, at the end of the day, the film, the series. Lifted a little on poverty in a way that had never quite been done before, and um, yeah, there were there were over three thousand articles and media reports that wow. were written about that show in the two weeks that it went to air. You wow. know, one point seven million people tuned in every week. So for SBS, that was a, that's the highest rating show in the history of the channel. So it's just yeah, just mm-hmm. a, just a testament to the, you know Australians will come and watch authentic Australian stories that don't only have to watch reality television. Is that kind of your theme? Are there certain themes that you like to use in your documentaries, kind of issues that you think can also, um, once they are put to light, can then translate into action at the end of it? Yeah, I, I guess. You know, I guess I'm still naive enough to think that you can change the world. Um, so, yes, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm a social slash cultural slash political kind of, that's uh, the nexus of those things is kind of where I tend to prefer to work and try and work and try and find, but to try and find character-driven stories. So it's not, it's, for me, it's not about the issue. It's about the stories of the people who have to deal with the consequences of those issues. Mm. And so what would you say to anyone out there who's thinking, you know, I want to be in the film industry, I want to write, I want to direct, I want to produce. What would you say to those people? What advice would you give? (laughs) The first thing I always say to anyone who asks that question um, is, don't do it. (laughs) Like run like hell. Um, if, If you want to have a secure income if you want to, you know, um, achieve those material things that everyone seems to want to achieve. The film industry is not exactly the safest way to try and do that, let's be honest. Mm. Um, Having said that, 
easy. Um, it's an amazing way to, to spend your life, you know, if you can get to do the kinds of things that give you some sense of meaning in your life and some reason, you know, um, some sense of purpose, then that, that's fantastic. So, you know, if you want to do it, then you just need to stick to your guns and find a way to do it. You know, it's, it's a chicken and egg. You can't, you won't be commissioned to make a film until you've made a film. Mm. So whatever and however, you need to find a way to make a film that can then show that you do, you know, that you have the ability to make films. And that's a chicken and egg I, I can't answer. Mm. Everyone gets to that in a different way. And in light of the Sydney South African Film Festival coming up, how important is it to bring those stories here to Australia for the Australian audience to have a look at as well? I think it's very important, you know. I, mean, I hope there are Australians that actually come in and, and look at some of these films, not only for the kinds of films that they are, but for the, like for the window um, that they open. I mean, the, the, you know, Australia has problems. Um, and some of those problems are similar in terms of the social, cultural, political landscape, you know. We have a real problem with racism in this country. We have a real problem with xenophobia. We have a real problem with our indigenous um, community whose culture was so decimated and is still struggling to, to recover. So, you know, there are incredible amounts of similarities and, and, and to see the way Sometimes I sit in Australia and I look at what's going on and I'm like, oh my God, it's like 25 years ago in South Africa, you know. Um, I think these films can help give people, you know, we need to, we, we need to move those debates forward in this country um, and not just stick in the status quo that we seem to go round and round and round about. So I think it's very important. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> and hopefully, come along to the festival. Yeah. And if you do want to find out more about the Sydney South African Film Festival, it's on from the 9th to the 19th of May, and that's uh, Event Cinema Bondi Junction, yes? Yep, and on the website you can book tickets and yep. you know, get all the see clips of the film mm -hmm. and all of that. Yes, that is at ssaff.org.au.